With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to another episode of Ask the Expert on Talks 4. I'm your host, Hannah Guthrie, and with me is the expert on elective surgery in the time of COVID-19. Dr. Cecilio from Providence Medical Center, thanks for being with us. Thank you, my pleasure. Crazy, crazy times, it's like we don't know what to do. You know, do we wear masks, do we not wear masks? Can we get elective surgery? You know, so many people are afraid of going to the doctor. They're afraid they're gonna catch COVID-19. So is it safe now to get elective surgery? Well, um, obviously we've made a decision based on safety. Uh, and the number one factor uh, is uh, the numbers are trending down. So it is definitely safe to come in, uh, undergo um, elective surgery. Uh, the second factor is that we have sufficient PPE protection uh, for both the staff and patients. Um, and so those were the two major factors. Are the numbers going down? Yes. And secondly, do we have sufficient uh, PPE for staff and patients? You're talking about uh, masks, masks, gloves, and gowns. Masks, yeah, personal protective uh, equipment, uh, okay. gowns, masks, and, uh, and then uh, making sure that we have the right personnel. So if you have surgery, you're in an operating room. Once the operation is over with, uh, we have a team that comes in and uh, uh, goes through the room and uh, desensitizes everything and uh, sterilizes everything. The equipment uh, is obviously is, sterile. Mm -hmm. Is the patient allowed to have someone with him or her? Yes, the patient uh, is allowed to have one family member. When they uh, arrive, they are screened at the front door. Uh, everybody has a temperature check and uh, different questions. You know, do you have a sore throat, headache? Uh, uh, signs of uh, an infection and if they if the temperature is not elevated and they don't have any signs of infection they're they're given a, uh, a surgical mask and they enter with the patient um, now, when they go the other big the item is pardon you go ahead i was going to say that the other big item is uh once the physician the primary care doctor the surgeon makes the decision that the patient is uh going to come in for elective surgery they get tested uh, 24 to 48 hours prior to coming to the hospital. So we do the nasal swab, uh, and if they test negative, they have to, I'm sorry? The nasal swab is a lot of fun, I've heard. <laughs> oh, I've had it done three times. It's not oh, too have? bad. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I, you know, I, I won, uh, at the beginning of it, I had some symptoms and I just wanted to make sure. So I was tested twice and came back negative. And recently, uh, I was exposed to a patient that uh, we didn't think had it and had it. And I uh, did it a second time. And it's really not that bad. Okay. Close your eyes, relax, and take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah. So they have a te testing done at home or testing done before coming into the hospital. If they're negative, they quarantine at home until the surgery. 
Okay. Now, is there, are there special precautions the patient takes once they leave the hospital after the elective surgery and they go home? Anything different they would do than normal? No, once again, uh, same thing that you would do every day, just monitor, you know, yourself for symptoms, uh, fever. I, I don't think it's a bad idea to uh, check a temperature once or twice a day. Uh, anybody that's come into the hospital, that's, uh, that's probably not a bad idea. Um, is to go ahead and check your temperature once or twice a day. And if it's above, uh, uh, you know, 100, obviously it's a, it's a problem. And then get a hold of your primary care doctor or someone. Now, I and we have follow-up uh, phone calls. Sure. Now, I know a lot of people, they had concerns about elective surgery. They were afraid to go in because of COVID. But isn't there also a danger of putting off elective surgery, which could be just as risky as maybe getting COVID? Absolutely. I think nowadays probably one of the safest place to be in is the hospital environment uh, because we take precaution. We use personal protective uh, equipment. We test patients. Uh, we monitor temperatures. Uh, and yes, sometimes putting off, uh, you know, surgery. Let's say you've had gallstones and you have, you've had an inflammation of your gallbladder called a cystitis, uh, which goes away with time and then you have flare-ups. Um, it's very possible one of those flare-ups could cause tremendous amount of uh, infection within the gallbladder. That infection leaves the gallbladder, enters your bloodstream, now you become septic. You come to the hospital, sepsis could lead to a number of consequences, other organs not working, and you could have a poor outcome. So if you have something that needs to be addressed, I think it's very safe. Uh, to come into the hospital and get that done. You, con you, you consult with your primary care doctor, you consult with the surgeon, uh, if that's what they recommend. We as physicians are always making recommendations based upon uh, what is needed and uh, making sure that uh, you know, the patient is safe, the doctor is safe, the nurses are safe, everyone is safe. It's a safe environment. I think that we, are, we need to move forward. We're, and we're not going to uh, make decisions based upon the fact that we just need business. We're not doing that. We're doing it based upon the fact that the numbers are coming down and that we have appropriate uh, personal protection uh, equipment. Uh, and um, so this is probably the safest time to get anything done. Aren't you glad people are now washing your hands? Uh, what did your mom say about washing hands when you were growing up? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We, we spoke earlier. Uh, you know, I, uh, I made fun of my mother regarding the fact that as soon as we walked in the house, you had to wash your hands. The other thing she used to do, which she still does, she's 85 years old. I remember going to the grocery store with her. We would come home and she would basically, a carton of milk, she would, you know, uh, wipe it down with a little soapy water, rinse it, dry it, and put it in the refrigerator. So here she is, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, you know, what to do to keep us safe. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about COVID-19 and where we get our information. So we should first go to Twitter or Facebook, right? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Yes, absolutely not. We, um, I think that a lot of, um, you know, social media and uh, venues where uh, people possibly go to uh, anxiety provoking, I think the best thing to do is if a patient 
wants to obtain some information, you should go to your local health department, Kansas Health Department website or CDC website and get your information from those two areas. Um, as much as I love the news, you know, even the uh, national news sometimes, they present it as uh, Hollywood style. That's my personal opinion. And I think that it just induces a lot of anxiety and it's presented in a way where the layperson doesn't really understand. Number one, if you have a primary care doctor, talk to your doctor because your doctor is looking out for your best interest. Uh, if you have questions, you could always call Providence Medical Center. We have uh, you know, hotlines here, we have a website, or the other best thing to do is get on the Kansas Health Department website or the Missouri Health Department website or CDC and shy away from everything else. Otherwise, it's just an anxiety-provoking um, uh, endeavor and it does you no good whatsoever. And that causes stress, which can lead to health problems, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think during this time, I would recommend one of several things. Number one is, number one, sleep. You have to get a good night's rest. If you're not on a good wake sleep cycle, you need to get on a good wake uh, sleep cycle. Because if you don't get a good night's rest, nothing works. If you're a diabetic, uh, the insulin that's secreted by your body or the insulin that you take uh, doesn't work if you haven't gotten a good night's rest. If you don't get a good night's rest, you're, everybody's heard of cortisol or stress hormones that are released. If you don't get a good night's rest, those cortisol level rises and that uh, causes havoc with your blood pressure, your, uh, your diabetes, so you must get a good night's rest. Secondly, there is some evidence that folks with vitamin D deficiency may do poorly if you uh, obtain the uh, virus. So you spend some time outdoor and get some sun in your face. Uh, eat as clean as possible, natural foods, no processed foods, uh, and walk. You don't have to you know, lift, uh, you don't have to do anything crazy, but walk 20 minutes, five days out of, of the week uh, and get outdoors and so sleep, eat clean and, and, and a little bit of movement and, uh, and stay healthy. Okay, my cousin Regina lives in Fort Myers, and she forces her husband Larry to sit out in the sun for an hour every day. He goes, I don't want to sit out. She goes, you're sitting out. This helps with COVID-19. And so he humors her and sits out. With Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the sun uh, increases your vitamin D level, so it, it's, it's definitely beneficial. A couple of things that I've done uh, during this pandemic, and obviously the stress level has gone up, when I'm uh, rounding in the hospital and seeing patient in the intensive care unit, typically after I make my rounds in the intensive care unit, I go outdoors right here on the campus and, uh, and sit out on a bench for 20 minutes and close my eyes and, and get some sun in my face. So tell me about uh, the association between Providence Medical Center and the Mayo Clinic. You guys have partnered on a project? Yes, we're, we're collaborating with Mayo Clinic uh, utilizing convalescent serum. So basically for those that uh, may not be um, aware of what convalescent serum is, if I get sick with COVID-19 and I recover, uh, several weeks thereafter, I could go to the blood bank and donate my blood. They take the blood and separate out the red blood cells and the plasma. Within the plasma, we have antibodies. So I had the disease. I formed antibodies 
to fight off the infection. So they take the antibodies out of me and give it to a person that's been infected with COVID-19. So uh, Mayo Clinic is the one that is running the, uh, the, it's a clinical trial. And so there's certain criteria that the patient needs to meet. And we have been administering convalescent serum antibody to patients with COVID-19. In fact, the first patient that I gave it to uh, did uh, come off the mechanical ventilator life support, and she is currently here on, on the sixth floor and uh, moving slowly moving along. She needs some rehab, acute rehab, but she, uh, she, was, uh, she was safe, basically. So uh, is it the convalescent serum or is it a combination of stuff? We don't know, but obviously uh, it's something that we are, we are doing. We here are Providence are doing everything possible, just like any other major academic center, KU, or any academic center in the country, Mayo Clinic, a Cleveland Clinic. The one good thing that came out of this pandemic is years ago, if an academic center was, had a protocol to treat a disease, uh, they kind of kept their, you know, the secret sauce to themselves. But now we are within the medical community, we are sharing information, which is very beneficial. So a small community hospital like Providence Medical Center, where myself and my uh, partner, Dr. Khan, practice, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. So right. it's, uh, I, it's been very helpful that way. That is what's so nice, because I think all the smartest scientific minds in the world are devoted to working on this and helping all of humanity, like you say, not just one segment of the population or one country. It's, it's humanity. Yes. The other big item, uh, just this week, I got a final email from uh, the uh, head of pharmacy. We are now, we now have the uh, uh, antiviral that everybody has heard of on TV, the remdesivir. Yeah, yeah. Uh, antiviral, it's a, it's actually works against the virus. So we have the capacity to uh, give the antiviral to our patients. And once again, we have a protocol that you have to meet. Uh, and this, uh, so far, you know, the evidence shows that the earlier you administer the antiviral, the better it is. And uh, everybody's heard on the news that it reduces, it's not a cure. So let me clear that up. It's, it's well, let me, I shouldn't say it's not a cure. It does, it's not been shown to reduce mortality. So it, it's not been shown to reduce the possibility of dying, but it reduces the number of days in the hospital and on a ventilator. Should we try to take that drug, even though we haven't been tested just as a preventive measure of getting it? Are we allowed to do that? Is it available? No, no, it's, a, it's, not, a, a, it's not available as a preventive measure. It is not, yeah. I think so the studies show, so far show that it's, it's useful in patients that have the virus have been tested and have it and if you give it early on into the in the disease process okay i think as well maybe not just americans but i think the whole we're all impatient like we, we want something right now because it's going to be a while before a vaccine so what's going to come first is it a treatment like they do tamiflu for the flu it doesn't cure it but maybe if you take it it's not going to kill you yes right now um you know we have more unanswered questions than answers uh, personally speaking, I think that uh, things will get under control once we could do several things. One is rapid testing, point of care testing. 
So it would be great if you came to the hospital and we could test everybody that enters here. Uh, you test negative, great. You know, you come in, not a problem. Uh, and then, so point of care testing, more testing available that uh, turnaround time within a half hour to an hour, or maybe even uh, hopefully with time, we will have testing that one could do at home. You don't feel good, wow. you test yourself. That would be great. Uh, so testing, uh, antibody uh, testing, serology, where we actually remove blood from your, from your system and we send it out and check to see if you've, had, uh, if you've been exposed to the virus and had no symptoms and now you have antibodies, you've, you've, you've uh, fought off the infection. Uh, so rapid uh, testing, antibody, and then vaccine. But the vaccine, uh, I, I'm hoping that the quicker the better, but I think that being realistic would probably be sometime early part of uh, January, February of 2021. That's just my guess, yeah. Well, I'll take a guess from the doctor over my friend on Twitter. Um, so <laughs> yes. today, the, the country is kind of reopening in phases. So today, how should we live our life when it comes to the virus? What kind of protections or what should we be doing? I think number one, uh, as much as we have folks out there that disagree, uh, I think we need to listen to the experts. I'm, I'm sure he's getting information from some experts. So I would say from my standpoint of view, we are slowly, the city here in Kansas City, slowly opening up. I think that you'd be best to follow the, the, the recommendations of wearing a surgical mask, uh, whatever the case may be, 10 people in a restaurant, you know, some social uh, distancing. If you're having a uh, gathering with the family, now that the weather is, is um, you know, warming up, I think outdoors is great because the sun kills the virus. Uh, if there's wind, you know, things are moving. Uh, so uh, it's safe to get in, you know, to get together with family members. Obviously not 20, 25, but maybe less than 10. Do it outdoors, uh, you know, six feet away. Uh, that would be great. Um, so, and wear a, wear a mask. And obviously, if, you're, if you don't feel well, then you, it, it's your responsibility to notify your loved ones or your friends and say, hey, listen, I don't feel well, I think I'm gonna stay home. I think that the, the burden is on us. At least until we find some kind of treatment. I think that's important. That is correct. Mm -hmm. All right, well, doctor, thank you so much. I appreciate what you've told us. Um, and so if people want to talk to Providence Medical Centers or hotline, or they just go to your website, what's the best way to reach you to get the facts? We have a, uh, just get on Providence uh, Medical Center website and we have, uh, you know, we have a website there to get the facts. Uh, some of the, you know, TV4, uh, you guys have an excellent website. And once again, Kansas Health Department or CDC, but don't get, don't get um, advice or uh, news from your friends or social media. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye -bye. And join us next time for another episode of Ask the Expert on Fox 4.